I'm Susan Gorman. I'm an intuitive counselor in Exeter, New Hampshire. And I'm Laura Bricker. I'm an author, and you might know me from the podcast, Crime Writers On. Welcome to our new podcast, Everyday Intuition. So Susan, what have you been up to since I last chatted with you? So Laura, I have been at the gym a lot because I don't know if my listeners, if our listeners remember, but I had my hip replaced in November. I got cut loose by my surgeon who I adore. And he said, you are free to roam around the cabin now. So that means I can start doing things like getting my heart rate up and going back to yoga. You see me rage cycling. I do. In the mornings. I do. We we have our little check-ins. Yeah. And when I don't see you there, I I do feel that something's missing. I have to tell you that. It's much more fun when you're there. It is. It is fun. There's a lot of fun going on at the gym. And -hmm. I always find something interesting that's happening. So I did get some feedback since our first episode about our theme song since I last talked to you. That I'm dying to hear about it. It sounds like the theme song from The Odd Couple. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I am not, I am not going to be Oscar. I'm telling you this right now. I, I, are are if, we The Odd Couple? If we're going to be The Odd Couple, I will only be Felix. Okay. All right. I mean, I think I used to say this all the time in life. You need to know who you are. You need to know whether you're an Oscar or a Felix. Okay. And I I just, Oscars drive me a little crazy, I think. Um, so you're not really an Oscar either, though. So I, I hate to admit, I've never even watched The Odd Couple, but I did pull up the theme song after this. So I don't even know what an Oscar or a Felix is, actually, except that I have a cat named Felix. So I guess, you know, I would go with that. Okay. So Oscar's the slob, right? Oh. Okay. Felix and the the version that I've seen a few episodes of way back when are Jack Klugman and Tony Randall, and Tony Randall plays like the neat, organized, good, you know, nice person to live with roommate, and mm-hmm. Jack Klugman plays a disaster, a slob. Oh, yeah. That's that's kind of like the bedroom in my house, quite honestly. Um, I'm very organized. I have everything lined up. I did the Marie Kondo and my husband has just piles of different things. So I think I can relate to this. So I am, I am the organized one. So, I mean, you are a Virgo. I am. Yeah. So, but the other thing that I want to say here is that I probably could be a little bit Oscar now and then it wouldn't kill anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise you're just, you know, you got to relax once in a while. Right. Exactly. It just makes me itch when things aren't where they're supposed to be. Yes, same. I have my post-it notes all over the place. So the other thing is I have been watching The Outsider on HBO. I don't know if you've watched that yet. No. So this is, it's a Stephen King show. What I associated with you in this is something that we've talked about. So there's uh, themes that come up a lot in Stephen King. And one of them that comes up in this is the intuitive child. And Mm. there is a child in this story who's always like 
mommy, the man came in my bedroom and he told me some things and everyone's like, oh, just go to sleep. It's nothing. But actually, guess what? The girl, little girl is intuitive and she is seeing things that grownups don't see. And Susan, that's something that you've talked about before that we sort of discount that and children actually do have that sort of innate intuitive ability that we sort of squash out of them. Is oh, that yes, they do. Tell me about that. So a lot of it gets trashed and discarded by the time kids get to school. But school is the thing that oftentimes really does it because if you think about what's important in kindergarten, it's some socialization, right? Reading, writing, math, things like that. Um, and also kindergartens become very academic in the last two generations. So before children are socialized, in a school environment. And by that, I, I, I'm not against school, but what I do see happen is that that's their first exposure to society at large, right? And society at large in groups like a school or other institutions, <clears throat> they're not really into intuition as something that plays outside the margins. So they're very into what we would all consider to be the common values of our society. And like I said, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just that intuition gets excluded. So when you usually see it come up in kids is when they're first learning to talk mm -hmm. and they, you have an established relationship with them and they are open and free. Um, if it is strong enough in a child, then what you'll usually see is a child that has, quote, a very active imagination or an imaginary friend. <gasps> oh, my or, God. Or um, kids that are a little described as quirky, mm -hmm. um, very creative children as well. Mm -hmm. um, and unless you have a family member in your family group that's there to point it out when it's happening or who's creating a space for it or watching for it, it just doesn't get responded to. So it doesn't get developed. And we don't teach things in school like, you know, how to listen to your intuition or how to meditate or any of that stuff. So that's when I really see it starting to dilute. And then the next time you see it really flare up is usually in girls right around the time they get their first period. Oh, that's interesting. So the, the year or two before then. That's interesting. So I had three imaginary friends. So what does that say about me, Susan? But you're my long lost soulmate. Mm. I, had I had two. I had three. Bat, moon, and an arrow. Yep. I mean, yeah. I think these are, this is when the wall is thin so that kids can have relationships with their guides and they're not afraid, right? Yeah of them at all you know and I have had over the years lots of parents come to me to find out how to help their children or or bring their kids to me before they go see a shrink essentially that's interesting so let me ask you I feel like we're going down a whole path here that I didn't envision but I'm now very curious about it so when a child has like an imaginary friend in some cases, might that be what we've talked about? Like you've talked about, you know, we all have guides. Might that be their guides? Yes, in some cases. Oh, and who else might it be? Just um, anybody else hanging I around? Mean, or 
anybody else hanging around is a potential. Yes, that is a possibility too. I don't want to discount the psychological role that an imaginary friend plays either because I think that's valid. But I also think that when kids are able to tell you about people that they're talking to extensively and a, a key marker for a guide would be someone that's very happy to see them, someone who's giving them a lot of suggestions or advice on, you know, how to have a good day. Like guides really want us to have a great life and to feel comfortable in our own skin. So one little girl, the daughter of my client had a guide whose name was Damak. And she came out at three years old and asked her mom one day, mommy, what's a Cossack? A Cossack. Mm-hmm. And she's like, uh, excuse me, a what? And you know, this is a three-year-old child who hadn't mm-hmm. been exposed to any other cultures. And so she would tell her some of the things that Damak would tell her. And they were all, you know, just about, you know, being a friend and being generous. It's completely... I want to say harmless, but that implies that there's a situation where it would be harmful and there isn't. So, Mm -hmm. so then how should parents like not should, but how, I guess, how could parents respond differently when a child comes forward with, you know, something from an imaginary friend that they're talking to? You don't have to actually weigh in on that one way or the other. You can just be a neutral listener. Oh, Mm -hmm. really? Tell me more. Mm hmm. Interesting. Yeah, my son used to, Will used to have an imaginary friend called Mimi. And mm-hmm. he looked like Beaker in The Muppets. <laughs> That's and awesome. Mimi used to have a race car that used to follow us when we went places. And so we'd be driving down the road and he'd be like, drive faster. Mimi is going to catch up with us. And I'd be <laughs> like, okay. And then one day Mimi just drove off in his race car and that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, but it was, I remember we got him the like Beaker doll and he went crazy he was probably like two or three because he was like it's Mimi (laughs) and we're like wow so it just it was it's interesting but I had three and my grandmother always used to talk about one day she came and she said well what where's bat moon and an arrow and I'm like oh they're gone Mm -hmm. and that was the end of it they were just gone but even now I mean I'm what 43 I have like such vivid memories of that point in my childhood of like really vivid memories of these three people. So it's, it's interesting that something like that sticks with you like that. Yeah. My mom said mine were Kelly and Jeffers and that she would hear me in the other room having long conversations with them. What's kind of sad is that I really believe we have guides and guardians watching out for us all the time. And a child is able to embrace that companionship Mm -hmm. very easily at that age. And then later on, maybe when we need some support or a feeling that we're not alone, we've now broken the skill set to really embrace that because it's seen as something that's a form of mental illness if it, in an adult or an older child. Mm-hmm. And I also think that kids, along with that, that's not just the part that I address with parents. I talk about kids that very clearly know when something's going to happen or know what someone is feeling or are trying to resolve a problem or help with someone that's a peer of theirs. Hmm. 
And all of those instincts are also a burgeoning strong intuition that we all possess, but we neglect. So it never gets developed. And that sort of like, as you're talking about like this sort of what we've been talking about, this kind of reminds me it's time to check back in for my homework assignment from last week and our, our listeners homework assignment from last week. So our homework assignment was from you, the first way to sort of what I took from it to tap into your own intuition was not to sort of look for that in times where you were feeling fearful or anxious, but listen at times when you were feeling calm. Exactly. Exactly. So how do and you I, do? It is hard to do. And I have to tell you, so mine isn't necessarily the most uplifting sort of example, but it was also something where I really needed to listen to that intuition. And hmm. yeah, so what it was, I, I had a horse, my horse charade, who I've had, you know, since she was three years, two or three years old. Um, she was 35 years old. And I really having a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear about you know, is it time for her? Is it time to put her down? Mm-hmm. And something I had been wrestling with for several months. And every time I'd think about it or talk about it, I would just get so upset. And like just this, this, I guess, fear of what is it going to be like when she dies? And mm-hmm. am I making the wrong decision? And so finally, one day I went out and I just sat in the field and watched her. And I had the most peaceful feeling come over me. And I looked at her and I watched her and I was like, it's time. And I really, I felt all of a sudden like a sort of sense of peace about the whole decision that was different from the feeling I had been having up to that point. But it was also like when I sat there and I watched her and I sort of listened to her, I realized it was sort of like when my grandmother was getting older she had a good act. She had a loop for about 20 minutes mm-hmm. and you thought, Hey, she's the same old person. But if you actually sat there and watched her and really listened and really tuned in, mm-hmm. she wasn't the same person. And that was what I came away with. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? I think it's a fantastic example of listening to your gut. And I think that the way we make decisions in our lives is usually a pro and con sheet. And our emotions get very much involved when it's something really dear to us and important to us. And I remember how you really struggled for a long time on that level, right? Yeah. And then you took a risk and dropped down and just pushed all of that aside and went with, well, how do I feel about this? What is my gut telling me about this? And that's the thing that I tell people is, Whatever you come to is going to ground you and calm you. And you're going to notice more intuition when you're more grounded and calm. And so do you feel like it was the right decision after all, even though it was a a hard one? Absolutely. And it was, I was so sad and it was really like, you know, saying goodbye to a part of my childhood, because when you look at 30 years that I've, I've had her 30 plus years, but the day that we put her down, I just... It was sad, but I felt sort of a relief because I knew it was the right decision. And mm-hmm. and I knew and I thought back to that day that I was sitting on this little tree stump in the field watching her and I'm like, this is the right decision. And and I, I just I did feel calm and I did feel like it was it was it wasn't that same sort of panic feeling that I'd been having before of, oh, my God, is it the right thing to do? What should I do? What's going to happen? It was like, this is it. 
Right. And so you're also talking about something else that happens a lot with intuition, which is even if it doesn't, quote, make sense, there's nobody that's going to be able to talk you out of it. You know it's right. Yeah. And it has a heaviness to that rightness as well. Yes. So it's just really allowing yourself to get to that point. Excellent job. Yay. Do I get a gold star? (laughs) You do. I'm giving you a gold star. And also, I love it when I give homework and people actually do it. That's so cool. And we should say to our listeners, too, if you have a story around your homework this week, let us know. I, you know, I love hearing about stories like that. Yeah. So what, what's our homework for next week? Like, what's the next step forward from here? Okay. So it's kind of a sideways step. Um, most of the practice of intuition when you're new is about identifying it or about supporting yourself, meaning you give yourself validation, this is real, right? Okay. So you identify and you support, you identify and support. So last week's homework was really in that identification category. What does it feel like to have an intuition? How do I make decisions using my intuition? And what's it going to be like afterwards? But this week, we're going to do a support one. And it involves taking a little bit of a risk. So oh boy, okay. One of the things that happens when I teach classes or work with clients is that they'll tell me that just coming into my office makes them more intuitive or just coming to a workshop makes them more intuitive. And the reason why is because I'm standing there as an intuitive, as someone who's had a long career doing this and who gives permission for people to validate and to listen. So we need more people in our lives like that. You have me, right? Yes, um, and believe it or not, there are a lot more people who actually, quote, believe in this part of life. And so the homework assignment is going to be to tell an intuitive story to someone else, to someone that you, I, I want you to get to like 50% surety you're mostly sure that this person isn't going to look at you and go, Oh, okay, that's nice. And change the subject. Okay. Um, so just also remember, this is a bit of a risk. And in our society, we don't like talking about intuition, which means we don't have a really good language for it. It would be great if you didn't, you know, talk about your experience as being weird or strange because that makes it other. So what you can say is I had this really interesting experience and I, or I had this really exciting thing happen. And all you need to do is just tell a very small vignette. It can just be as simple as, you know, I had a very strong feeling to leash up my dog. Mm-hmm. And five minutes after that happened, a dog came barreling into, you know, our front yard or I was thinking about somebody and they called. Okay. It doesn't have to be a big story, okay. but it has to be one in which you listen to your intuition. Okay. I can so do ha- that. How's that? That's good. That's good. I'm trying to think of some things that have come up that I could, I'll have to go, go and think about this a little bit, but I'm sure I can find something to talk about. Okay. Then, you know, you can tell me, but you also have to tell somebody else. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, I'll tell somebody else. I'll tell somebody else. I'll, I, I'm sure I'll tell somebody while I'm walking around the track at the Y, one of my stories. Just remember, it's interesting, exciting, fascinating, helpful. It's not weird, strange, or bizarre. Okay. 
All right. Although, I mean, a lot of things that happen to me are strange and bizarre, so I'm going to have to separate that out, but I think I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that's like a whole other thing that we need to explain to people. <laughs> it is. Actually, I was recently compared to Forrest Gump because what? I, yes, yeah, somebody said I'm like Forrest Gump because I always just happen to be somewhere when something's happening. But I think that's a topic for another episode. I think so too. So thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Everyday Intuition with Susan Gorman and her guest intuitive in training, that's me, Laura Bricker. If you'd like to send in a question for Susan to answer, you can email her at susan at susangorman.net. And if you'd like to connect on social media, you can find her at Susan Gorman Intuitive on Facebook and Instagram. She's got a lot of great daily meditations and tips on intuition on her social pages. And yes, she does do remote sessions. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Laura Bricker on Twitter or every week on the podcast, Crime Writers On. So tune in next time for even more insight into tapping into your own everyday intuition.